Welcome back to the Fire and Desert, Season 2, with myself, Johnny. Thanks for waiting for the first episode. We've had a break so we can refresh our minds and allow the researching and writing of the episodes to catch up as our recording started to lead ahead. Thanks for staying with us, and now on to the show. Alright, so, uh, welcome back to the Fire and Desert with myself, Johnny, and Pat. How are you going? Good to be back. Yeah, it's uh, season two, and hopefully we'll try to get something going on this, um, this part of the year. Yeah, I mean, people are uh, tuning, tuning back in to listen to us? <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> Indeed. Alright, this is from a, a lady called Keith, and she says, I dated this guy in New York City who was an orthopedic surgeon. We went out on a few dates, and he was seemingly lovely and positioned himself as this humble guy from Texas who hates dating in a city and wants to find a nice girl. Okay, yeah, that's me, I thought. He had to go to D.C. for a four-week rotation, and he said, I want to fly you to visit me. I thought, yes, honey, love that for me. The day before he went, before he left, we went to a bar that my roommate worked at. She gave us so many drinks, so many cocktails, and really hooked us up. When we were done, we went to pay our tiny bill. She comped us and, and he paid. We went home and got busy, except it was just bad. Bad. I knew it wasn't going to work. Anyway, he left in the morning and I went to talk with my roomie. And she told me he didn't tip. I was livid. I hate bad tippers. It's so mean. Plus, <laughs> he had money. So I admit, I ghosted him for a couple of days. I was just so off it. Days later, I called and apologized for not chatting for a couple of days and just said I'm not into it. He was such a baby about it. Whatever. I wasn't trying to make you my girlfriend. I'm like, sweetie, you you couldn't bear the thought of four weeks without me trying to fly me out. But okay, I'm crazy. Cool. Bye. The next one's from Madeline. The nice guy love bombed me. He called himself a feminist. Was passionate about animal rights. Real nice guy stuff. He wasn't like all the disrespectful men. Uh, but whenever he confronted with something he did wrong or upset me, he lashed out. It was like a tantrum. He felt entitled because he showed basic respect. He felt I shouldn't even have a problem with anything he did and that my emotions were invalid. I think that's what is dangerous about guys like that. You and all your friends see him as a nice guy until they're made to feel they aren't perfect and by then you're sucked in. Uh, so those two were uh, from a, a website called um, <laughs> Mamma Mia about nice guys dating stories and okay. we're going into... <laughs> We're going into uh, Dr. Robert A. Glover's book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and be exploring that. But before we do, I'll get some reflections from yourself, uh, Pat. How are you going with that? Those two stories. I'm not sure what to really reflect on with this one, actually. It's a bit tricky. Well, how about the first one about the, the orthopedic surgeon? If you met a girl and then you're like that desperate to have her, would mm. you fly her all the way across the United States to meet to be with you? And you go out on this uh, date and you have all this um, alcohol and you're paying this. Yeah. Right? And from her perspective, uh, she knows the waiter because they're roomies. Yeah. And he didn't give a tip. Now, this is Australia. We don't do tipping. Yeah. The, the, the tipping culture in us in the States is a li- it's like I'm, I was born in America. I consider myself half American. Yeah. But even that, the, 
the tipping culture is something that just I do not understand. Yeah, but in 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 America, like this is how the, the low income people make the money because there's no basic, there's uh, no minimum, minimum wage. wage. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Now she's angst at him because she didn't tip, mm. and the way he respond, I think, is what the the point of the woman is making mm. is that he was a bit like taken back when she she called him up on him but she also ghosted him as mm. well and then yeah, there I, was I, a bit that says like oh I wasn't going to make you my girlfriend mm. so there's that sort of like I'm paying you so that I can sort of lead you on and make you my girlfriend kind of thing but at the same time I'm thinking the story there's also the nice city about the, the girl which is that oh, she's also getting at him because uh, she didn't tip yeah. even though he paid all this money to fly her over and also pay for his for the bill this is, this is the weird thing is that these women look at these men and put them in the category the box of oh these are nice these are the nice guy traits and I go that runs in the face of my idea of what constitutes a good decent person yeah. or guy in this case but a good decent guy it, that doesn't actually sync up at least how I, how I see it at least yeah so it makes it really hard it does make it a bit hard to comment yeah, like there's yeah. a there's a niceties on both sides, and mm. they're really, you know, even though he's this rich guy, like she thinks he's Scrooge about you know tipping, even yeah. though she she's been she's had her expenses all paid for mm. by this guy. Yeah, and it's sort of like this. Oh, I'm sort of one. I get the I sense from this story. I, well, when you when you're reading the story out originally or for, for the first time, I was listening to it and going, there, I think that there's something. Isn't there's a piece missing from the story here? I think that there's gaps yeah. in because normal hum, normal interactions between two adults don't explode like that when you're asked a innocuous question. Yeah. It most people don't naturally automatically explode with this outburst of anger, right? Yeah. Unless there's underlying issues there. But my guess is that there's been some miscommunication or mis, there's missed expectations expectations on both sides of the story here mm-hmm. but yeah yeah how about a second one where um this person who's the feminist animal rights uh. real nice person yeah he doesn't act like all the other disrespectful men and then when she really gets to know him disagrees or he does something wrong he lashes out yeah that's, that's not a trait of a decent per- of a decent man a decent person here yeah this sounds more like someone who is punching the cards of ticking all the social justice type boxes and yeah. then and when he is challenged on well, what seems like really innocuous, simple things, he hasn't been told no, so he lashes out. Yeah. So again, not what I'd class as nice as a nice person. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So we're gonna go into the the book and we're gonna lift up a few things from uh, from what uh, Dr. Robert A. Glover says. Mm. So, a quick one. So, what is a nice guy? And the definitions and the characteristics. And uh, and the quote it is, they all believe that if they are good and do everything right, they'll be loved, get their needs met, and have a problem-free life. <laughs> okay, then. So, the examples he gives is, like, the wife will run the show. Like, she runs everything. They, they always He always defaults to her, pretty mm. much. The, the wife and the girlfriend is frustrated because when it comes to conflict, he avoids conflict. Mm. Right? So it's like, you know, happy family because there's no conflict. Yeah. But if there's no conflict, then all your differences aren't resolved. 
Yeah. So that's, there's, that, no, there's no resolution to conflict when it happens. Yeah. And conflict a, is, is natural. It's normal. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's sort of like a, a hidden mm. bit there that mm. um, we're a nice family because we never argue. Well, yeah. but are you going anywhere? Yeah. Like, which direction are you taking into? Yeah. The other one is that the, the guy walks all over him. So... So, so he never says no. He always uh, is a pretty much a yes person, mm. and the they always he always just goes, you know what? Uh, let's do it your way. So the path what, it's called the path of least resistance. Path of least resistance. However, if you were doing it on a time, mm. you sort of think you, you might have this hidden thing that you're giving leverage to that mm. person, or you have leverage saying, oh, yeah. we've been doing it all your way. So yeah. when it comes to my time, we mm. want it definitely my way. Yeah. But you never communicated that yeah. at all. Well, well, that's well, that's the thing. It's if you go through life and you're always at the forefront, telling people this is how we're going to do it, um, essentially practicing a for, the form all the hallmarks of bad leadership, poor leadership skills yeah. of just leading from 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 the front, but just telling people what to do, how it's going to work. If you do that all the time, it's not going to it's not going to end out very well for you. If you do the opposite of that and let everyone else make the decisions, and you're just passively going go drifting through life, you're gonna get, you're gonna hit the same problem. If you if you go if you go through life and you're passive, you're letting people walk all over you, you're gonna get a similar problem where things aren't gonna work out well either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll go into a bit more of this book, and mm. we'll, we'll take a reading from there. Mm. So, characteristics of a nice guy. Every nice guy is unique, but all have a cluster of similar characteristics. These traits are the result of a script, often formed in childhood, that guides their lives. While other men may have one or two of these traits, nice guys seem to possess a significant number. Nice guys are givers. Nice guys frequently state that it makes them feel good to give to others. These men believe their generosity is a sign of how good they are and will make others or make other people love and appreciate them. Nice guys fix and caretake. If a person has a problem, has a need, is angry, depressed, or sad, nice guys will frequently attempt to solve or fix the situation, uh, usually without being asked. Nice guys seek approval from others. A universal trait of the nice guy syndrome is the seeking of validation from others. Everything a nice guy does or say is at some level calculated to gain someone's approval or avoid disapproval. This is especially true in their relationships with women. Nice guys avoid conflict. Nice guys seek to keep their world smooth. To do this, they avoid doing things that might rock the boat or upset anyone. Mm. Nice guys believe they must hide their perceived flaws and mistakes. These men are afraid the others will get mad at them, shame them, or leave them with if some mistake or shortcoming is exposed. Nice guys seek the right way to do things. Nice guys believe there is a key to having a happy, problem-free life. They're convinced that if they on- they can only figure out the right way to do everything, nothing should ever go wrong. Nice guys repress their feelings. Nice guys tend to analyze rather than feel. They may see feelings as a waste of time and energy. They frequently try to keep their feelings on, on and even keel. Nice guys often try to be different from their fathers. Many nice guys report having unavailable, absent, passive, angry, philandering, or alcoholic fathers. It is not unusual for these men to make a decision at some point in their lives to try to be 180 degrees different from dad. 
nice guys often are often more comfortable relating to women than to men. Due to their childhood conditioning, many nice guys have few male friends. Nice guys frequently seek the approval of women and convince themselves they are different from other men. They like to believe that they are not selfish, angry, or abusive traits they link to other men. Nice guys have difficulty making their needs a priority. These men often feel that it is selfish to put their needs first. They believe it is a virtue to put the needs of others ahead of their own. Nice guys often make their partners often make their partner their emotional center. Many nice guys report that they are only happy if their partner is happy. Therefore, they will often focus tremendous energy on their intimate relationships. Right. So there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of traits there, but it is it is that kind of thing that you what is your identity? You don't really have your identity. Your identity is in the other person. You're always yeah. trying to seek approval. You're trying to seek, mm. avoid conflict. Mm. Uh, you try to hide what you are because of shame and uh, uh, that, that people will make fun of you, that people yeah. get mad at you. There's, there's, a, a, there's, an in, there's a sense of, almost I'm hearing it's better, a sense of insecurity about who, who you are as a person yeah. and then trying to desperately to mask and hide that and put all of this the almost these superficial characteristics in front to try and distract yeah. and hide that. Yeah. It's it's like you're you're uncomfortable being who you are, mm. right? And they think that these things might come from childhood. So you might have yeah. a, a really broken family. Yeah. So maybe your dad was abusive. So it, to to be good in that sense to mm. because maybe your mom would bag him out mm. that you tried to be the good boy in a family and mm. do whatever he he isn't. Yeah. And and often that does lead to a level, to to a very destructive conclusion at the end of that though. So a lot, a lot of these traits, while I think that from the sounds of it, like when you when I was listening to some of the items on the list, I'm thinking, going, hang on, those aren't inherently bad things. Uh, trying trying to be the person who's providing the conflict resolution, or trying to uh, build up build other people up support other support other people those sort of characteristics on their own isolation are not necessarily bad things in fact i think that they are commendable traits but but when they're being used in this way to try and put up a mask or a facade on over your own personality then you're almost you're suppressing yourself and that causes further internal conflict further internal insecurities yeah yeah well Okay, let me just let me ask you like these traits that you've you've uh, we've we've come across we've mm. listed out. Can you think of anyone? You don't say the name. Yeah, of like course, can you of think course. of a person in your friends, family that might have some of these traits? Sure, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, okay, so what's it like being with that person? I think const- almost almost I describe it as constantly hiding. Constantly hiding. Yeah, con- const- almost con- constantly. Uh, on guard, waiting for someone to attack them almost. Okay. Yeah. Like, do, okay, do, then do you really know that person? Would you say that you really know that person? No, not really, no. Okay, would you like, want to be long term friends with that person or long? Like, and maybe. No, I'm, get, I'm getting what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, if that's if that's their personality, their current personality, then, then yeah. no, because whatever relationship you form with them is superficial. Yeah. And that's, mo- that's the most it, can, most it can be. If you take that into the dating scene, then 
what you're what you're presenting is a super you're offering a superficial relationship a relationship that can't actually grow or develop and grow deeper yeah which is actually what you're what you're looking for in relationships yeah um it's like it's so hard to relate to that person yeah i'm just thinking back to another person i'm thinking of Mm. it's it's um and it's it's quite painful to be around that person because you can't speak you can't speak openly you can't speak honestly Mm. yeah um because like a person feels when the only person opens up when they feel safe and secure Mm. around you and like what's this person going to react like because you don't know who they really are so how about you have you have you you encountered some of these um well nice guy tendency well i could types yeah i mean that and also you know i probably used to have some of these traits Mm. and just sort of like after a while you you have to learn to i guess love yourself and to take after your needs yeah because putting your sense of worth and Mm. seeking approval from another person yeah you can never make that person happy yeah and i think it links back to what we talked about you know the very last episode of Mm. last season about marcus Aurelius. that you know uh stoicism is Mm. about you know being grateful but also loving yourself and being one except, with nature. except being being accepting of of who who you are. Yeah, yeah. Because life is so transient. Um, yeah. You you put this person on the pedestal. Mm. They're not going to be very comfortable about that. You yeah. Know? Like, it's like they think that you. They, they always have this anxiety. Um, so what I'll do is I'll probably just list uh, what's so wrong with some of the behaviors. So it goes, you know, uh, what are some of the no, not so nice traits of nice guys? And I'll just list them out yeah. according to the book. So nice guys are dishonest, nice guys are secretive, mm. nice guys are compartmentalized, nice guys are manipulative, nice guys are controlling, nice guys give to get, nice guys are passive aggressive, nice guys are full of rage, nice guys are addictive, uh, nice guys have difficulties setting boundaries, nice guys are frequently isolated, nice guys are often attracted to people in situations that need fixing. Nice guys frequently have problems in intimate relationships. Uh, nice guys have issues of sexuality. Nice guys are usually only relatively successful. Mm. Do you do you want to go into any one of those ones? I think, especially the first the, the first couple points in that list. Dishonest and secretive. Yeah, the first dishonest and dishonest and secretive. All right, so so the, so those are, those are quite interesting because if we're talking in the context of relationships, yeah. especially male female relationships, romantic relationships, yeah. The issue, if you're bringing those sort of character traits in into the relationship, that's you're putting in a you're putting up a facade, you're putting up a mask, yeah. you're hiding parts of yourself. Fortunately, your opposite the opposite partner will often be able to see straight through that. They'll see something's not right here. Yeah, and it'll stick it'll stick out like a red flag. Yeah. So I'll go into what those two bits are because they're yeah. really short. Yeah. So it goes nice guys are dishonest. These men hide their mistakes, avoid conflict. Say what they think people want to hear and repress their feelings. These traits make nice guys fundamentally dishonest. Mm-hmm. And the other one is nice guys are secretive. Because they are so driven to seek approval, nice guys will hide anything that they believe might upset anyone. The nice guy motto is, if at first you don't succeed, hide the evidence. Yeah. I guess when you when you think of those traits and, and think about the explanations that they repress, they hide, mm-hmm. um, they only want to seek approval, so they they don't want to be honest about stuff then it really becomes hard to know that person because yeah. what's it going to be this time mm. so yeah again like do you think 
do you think from the first part and the second part there's a link there mm. oh yeah a lot of the a lot of the character traits you that we would we've, we've been discussing they're interlinked and they unfortunately will play off each other probably cause further issues and problems that have to then be resolved mm. all right so i'll give you an example which the, from the book again he goes everyone thinks he's such a nice guy so this is an example from a spouse yeah okay, example from a spouse <laughs> example from a spouse everyone thinks he's such a great guy and i'm really lucky to have him but i don't know what he really he can really be like he's always helping people out the car or something else that needs fixing when i ask him to do something he tells me that he can never make me happy and i'm nagging and co- controlling like his mother <laughs> Uh, another one is he will never tell me that something when something is bothering him he'll just keep it in and it will build up like a pressure cooker I won't have a clue that anything is bothering him and then out of the blue he'll explode and we'll end up in a big fight if he would just tell me when he is upset about something it would make it a lot easier mm-hmm. and the other one is when I try to talk to him about something that is bothering me he tries to fix it he thinks that if I did if I just did everything his way, it would solve all my problems. He always tells me I'll dwell on a negative and he can never make me happy. All I really want is for him to listen to me. <laughs> couple couple issues there. One is that well, as men, we tend to like we tend to like to fix to fix things. Yeah. And like our default reaction, and this isn't a not uh this is a nice i don't see this as a nice guy attribute i think even though the book tapped didn't described it as one default for for men the way we operate is if you present us a problem our first gut instinct is oh there's a problem there's a solution let's go figure out the solution because then it doesn't become a problem anymore Mm -hmm. so that that in itself is not a not necessarily a problem but i think in that particular story it highlighted something quite interesting where what the man in this relationship was doing is he was going and fix and just fixing one problem after another after another and finding problems to fix and using that i think as some form of emotional validation mm-hmm. what he's doing is he's ignoring his relationship with his uh spouse or his wife at home and letting a lot of the these underlying issues fester and grow until as the wife pointed out they explode yeah it's um not being comfortable mm. with some of the flaws or, or that you even have a problem because yeah. you're trying to be this nice guy mm. you're always acting like you're perfect yeah when you know we all and struggle hate, deep down inside hate, and it, hate, it to, hate to break it to you but unfortunately we're not perfect yeah. not, not a single one of us but, but it's living it's being comfortable with living the, with the fact that you're not perfect yeah and accepting then, of that and, and then going you know what I've, I've, I might screw up I might make mistakes that's okay because that's an opportunity for me to try and improve and get better yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll try and finish. Is that um, by being comfortable with the fact that you're imperfect, and when you encounter problems, you're able to share that with the other, with your partner, with mm. a close person, and being comfortable with the fact that um, they're happy to see your flaws mm. in who you are and to help you through these problems. Yeah. Um, with the nice guy it's like I have to have I have to be the one who knows everything I have to have that pressure on myself I put that pressure on myself to actually be the perfect guy who knows everything and therefore I will jump straight to trying to fix your problems rather than listen to it and let you you know in that coaching kind of sense let you figure it out Mm. 
let me also ask you think, like if I swap the genders around you mm. can, would you do you think it's possible that these can flip so these are all females uh, oh, these are these are, these are uh, yes and, and, these, talking and about we're talking about male men. traits here at the moment well as these well. are female spouses talking about the husbands yeah. but do you think you can flip the other way around I think you could flip them however the character traits and the issues would probably change and shift a little bit They, w- it's not a clean swap if that makes sense mm. you can't just take all because again Hate to break it, or well, hate to break it to you, but men and women are fundamentally different. Those differences aren't necessarily bad; are not bad things, but they are. There are key differences in how we engage, how we interact, how we relate, how we see the world. Uh, there's different things that we value, so you wouldn't be able to take male traits and transpose them onto female onto women yeah. in the same way you couldn't take the female traits and transpose them onto men. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's go to the next part of the book, which is the theory of where mm. does it come from. Mm. Uh, all right, so on childhood. All right, so there, there are three traits that uh, which uh, Dr. Glover goes into, which mm. sort of leads into why this comes from. So the first principle is abandonment. So mm. the examples are that you might have a clinging parent, mm. um, and therefore you fear that uh, you'll lose them. Uh, there's a, maybe a lack of interaction or communication from one of the parents, um, and so therefore uh, they were absent in one sense. And then also a little bit about um, you viewing parents as perfect, that mm. uh, you yourself are flawed compared to them. So you can never be like them. And yeah. in some sense, there is a, a gap between you and them. Yeah. Uh, the other bit is shame. So it basically it comes down to it's bad to be who I am. I'm not comfortable with being who I am and therefore I need to change all the time. I need to mm. act differently or I need to hide stuff. Constantly adapting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then therefore you develop these coping mechanisms mm. to deal with the shame as well as the abandonment. And that is to hide the shame or your toxicity in yeah. the, and then also hiding your flaws mm. and doing anything to prevent being abandoned. Mm. And so what he goes through is that, you know, we, so how did abandonment come about? Well, you had the loss of fathers in the sense that jobs used to be more rural. You to be you worked on the farm, and so therefore you always with dad all the time. But now as jobs become more urbanized yep. or industrialized, mm. um, the dad leaves the home to go into the city or to the factory to work yep. there, and the boys never really see their father. Yeah. Um, and then you and also there's a proliferation of single parents, uh, as well as a proliferation of broken families. And you get a whole bucket load of societal ails and issues yeah. to go with that. Yeah. And then uh, what happens next is that uh, you send the boys to school, mm. right? So yep. the, they're no longer seeing men as their primary role model. They're going to schools and what's who's managing the schools. Yep. Females. And te- teaching tends to attract, attract women as, yeah. a, as, a, as a career or as a job pathway. Yep. Yeah. Then he also ticks into two areas. So he talks about Vietnam War, which mm. is... There's a drastic change in the role of men, which is now what you used to have with World War One, World War Two, Korean War, is that the men will always step up mm. for duty, right? Yep. And now in the Vietnam War, it is now hip or to be cool to actually be that uh, rebellious figure and to not take your duty, to yeah. protest, to, yeah. avoid, to avoid conflict, and then therefore focus on like harmony, love, and peace. Well, it's also interesting that with I think I I think it was with the Korean War war as well, but especially with Vietnam, they had the draft. Yeah, they had to draft. They had to for essentially the draft leaders. You have to force people to 
go overseas and fight. Yeah. So they, you're right. There wasn't this, I'm going to go and volunteer. It's I'm being forced and told to go pick up a gun and fight overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in def- obviously, in defense of the nation, but there wasn't that patriotic duty that you're, it is my duty to go to go and, and protect what is worth protecting. Yeah. What was the other bit? So after the Vietnam's War, you have women's liberations, you have more yep. radical feminisms, mm-hmm. and you have slogans like, you know, um, you know, male masculinity is like toxic you know toxic masculinity that's right yeah um uh kill a kill a man or yeah you know, well, the, well, the, the well, idea that you know women is somehow superior to, to men i think it's worth tapping into there that any movement whether it was the civil rights movement or the or um was it the, was it the women's movement what was what was it actually called um women's liberation women's liberation movement we'll call that so whether it was the racial civil rights movement or the women's liberation movement, the right to vote, those sort of those those movements that broke out in the sixties, both of those causes attracted the extremes. Yeah. So the ones who go who go, oh, women are perfect, men are inferior, kill all men. Those sort of ideas ex- do exist on the on the far extreme. Now it's fair to say that today we've got more people dancing and r- dancing around with the ex- with the extreme extreme ideologies but i think it's important to also paint with the brush going hey not everyone buys into that yeah um, like you a good example is to contrast that with the civil rights movement you've got martin luther king jr and malcolm x yeah essentially two two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. one one looking for you advocating a pacifist approach one a, a, a than the other advocating for a much more extreme and violent approach. Yeah. But I think by linking, what I think he's trying to do with linking them is that, mm. you know, we were talking about abandonment, shame. Yeah. Shame, it's now shameful to be masculine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, that message is now, I guess, taken further than just back in the 60s and 70s. It's now popular. Yeah. It's all now in your phone. It's all in your face all the time. And, so, it's, and it's our, I think it's, it comes down to it, it's our responsibility to acknowledge, yes, that's the idea that's putting forward, it is a lie, it is not true, mm-hmm. and not let that interfere with who we are, with, with our character and with our personality as men. Yeah. All right, so we have understanding of where this uh, nice guy traits are, are coming yeah. from. So what is the solution proposed by Dr. Glover? Mm. And he says, the opposite of being nice isn't, you know, uh, you know, angry or not nice. Yeah. Instead, it's about being integrated. So being comfortable with who you are. Mm. So being integrated person versus a nice guy or nice girl. And he says here, being integrated means being able to accept all aspects of oneself. An integrated man is able to embrace everything that makes him unique, his power, his assertiveness, his courage, and his passion as well as his imperfection, his mistakes, and his dark side. So that is, he has a strong sense of self. He likes himself just as he is. He takes responsibility for getting his own needs met. He is comfortable with his masculinity and his sexuality. He has integrity. He does what is right, not what is expedient. He is a leader. He is willing to provide for and protect those he cares about. He is clear, direct, and expressive of his feelings. He can be nurturing and giving without caretaking or problem solving. He knows how to set boundaries and is not afraid to work through conflict. 
And so this, the, the chapters that he talks into, he, that he evolves to, well, to, to progress with his idea is about mm. learning to please yourself, prioritizing your own needs, reclaiming your own personal power, as well as reclaiming masculinity. Yeah. And all right, let me just ask you, like, what do you think of those things? Uh, what do you think of those things that he listed out? Mm. And is he, is he right? Is he wrong? Is he, is he being one of those toxic males? I think, I think, I think he's on the right track. It's, it's a, it's an, matter of i think to tie that together it's it's reclaiming responsibility for who we are as men mm. and not taking the approach of oh it's the world or it's some external outside force that has led me to where i am yes life deals you a deck of cards but at the same token we have responsibility to take those cards and make something of it yeah so i think that kind of ties together a lot of those ideas those traits being comfortable with who with who we are, uh, who God has made us, and going, you know what? I'm, I am not perfect. There are, I have flaws. I have things that I can work on. Rather than seeing those as negatives, see those as opportunities and challenges to further develop and improve yourself and build yourself into someone better. Yeah. So I'll probably, uh, probably give a little bit more direct example, which yeah. is like, you know, okay, guys want to have sex, right? But... If he doesn't communicate what he wants to his spouse, yeah. clearly, openly, yeah. try to negotiate it. But rather he does the hidden stuff, which is the secretive kind of hide who he is. He's ashamed to be... The, to the, manipu the he, manipulative way. Well, he's, he's ashamed to express his sexuality in mm. front of his wife. Then he will try to do things like, you know, take out the garbage and all that kind of stuff yeah. to manipulate that so that he earns brownie points in a sense. Yeah. And therefore, when it comes to the time for intimacy, the wife is like, well, where did this come from? Yeah. Whereas but the guy's so, like, I've built up these credit points. Yeah. Therefore, now, now you time to, me. Now, now time to cash it in. Th and, that, and you're right. That's not a healthy healthy approach at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and the book is saying, say, is saying that, you know, he sets boundaries. He also mm. is happy to communicate and be direct and expressive of himself. Yeah. Um, so rather than this, you know, this bubbly kind of let everything out, he, there, there is a, okay, this is where the line is. This is where we are. This is where we're going. And this is what I need, and this is what I'll tell you. Mm. I think those are like when it comes down to relationships, that's what it really comes down to. Like it's just communication mm. and being clear and direct. Yeah. Uh, I, I just remember this time when you know, some girl asked me to read Jane Austen. It was like Pride and Prejudice. Sure. Ba basically, um, she has pre she's uh, she has some prejudice that he's a very prideful person, and he's a very prideful person about who he is. Miss okay. Darcy and Elizabeth. Yeah. And they have all these preconceptions about each other and uh, you know behaviors that for these two to get to know each other and how do they get to get to know each other? They communicate. Yeah. And therefore, it breaks down the pride. It breaks down the prejudice between those two and therefore yeah. they can have a relationship. Yeah. Whereas if they never communicate, then they're always going to be having these preconceptions about Absolutely, each other. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, you, and, you, and you go through life as thinking that someone's out, someone is out to get you. Yeah. So... Uh, all right, so yeah, it's it's, it's a complex topic we're uh, we're diving into here, but I think why is it so important is that you know what is it to be a man and what is it to be a woman? It's now so blurry. We have it's be, it, we, I think it's in, it's important and it's, but it's also complicated because we don't have a the two of us. I don't, I don't think we have a good foundation as our generation to base a lot of these ideas on because we've lost them. Well, I think it's now it's like the transgender movement. 
now this is the the bit I need to be clear on is yeah. that if the transgender movement is correct that's saying now that male and female is just uh, a software issue it's just a mind issue yep. not the body issue yep. not the mind hardware, and body connected yeah. then um, I can fluidly change that's, that's yep. what they say I can fluidly change between yep. men and women according to how I feel mm. if, uh, you, if you take if you take their philosophy yeah. right and this, this, is, this is it's important I think to separate real people real world people dealing with these issues and the philosophy the worldview that they are that is being put out if you separate those two out, okay, just for the moment, the philosophy that if you follow it to its natural conclusion leads to more confusion. Yeah. Right? Now that's not saying we can that there are real people who are dealing with these issues that we can have a conversation of, I would say later, of going, let's talk about how we can come to some resolution with uh, how to how to work with these people. But the philosophy, the worldview that we are that is being put out today. It leads to more confusion, and I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily a good, healthy thing, especially for young people to be to be confused. Who? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, some reflections on some of the topics that we covered mm. within the book, and you know, I actually did enjoy the book. Um, <laughs> I have it right in front of me. I, yeah, I what's, read what's the, the book. T- what's the title again? It's it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. So. Uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy, a proven plan for getting what you want in love, sex, and in life by Dr. Robert A. Glover. Mm. And he's been coaching nice guys to become more comfortable with their masculinity. Mm. Yeah. And, and there's a sense that some of that, you know, it's okay mm. to be that flawed person. Yeah. Because what these nice guys are, what these mm. nice guys are doing is similar to what we've been um, talking previously in, last, in the mm. last season about... Uh, we're putting a lot of burden on that partner to mm. seek to gain their approval, right? Because we have some kind of childhood issue or we have some um, emotional issue that we're yeah. uncomfortable ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So I did listen to his uh, podcast when he's being interviewed, and it, mm. I, I think I just went to the book and I thought, hey, there's some, these are some, these are some things that need to be talked about and communicated nowadays because we don't know what is it like to be a man. Because yeah. I think. You know, the media, and we talk about you know women's liberation, which has taken on to a, a further extreme. Mm. It's now shameful to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think uh, on this book, it's applicable for male and female. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting point about absence of disagreement doesn't mean absence of conflict. So you know, flawed person plus flawed person doesn't mean there's no conflict. You yeah. always end up uh, in disagreement. It's just how you. Resolve how, those. How uh, do you dis- deal with it? Yeah, how, how do you resolve those disagreements? And I think, you know, funny enough, communication is yeah. the thing. And I guess learning to communicate in the correct way and being comfortable about mm. com- communicating about the uncomfortable topics. Yeah. And once you broach that subject, it comes easier to uh, talk about. Mm. He talks about giving permission to look after yourself and place your needs ahead of some of others. Mm. So not necessarily being selfish, but because these nice guys have never taken time to look after themselves, yeah, they swung too far in the pendulum. Let's bring it back a little it's, bit more. It's, unba- it's unbalanced. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's the key. One of the key ideas taking away from this is keeping a balance of your personality and keep and keeping that keeping that well balanced. And what it- all right. So he's also talked about knowing what you want and being open. Mm. Uh, it's okay to refuse. So that guy who's the yes man all the time, it's yeah. okay to refuse because you keep giving in and then mm. you sort of being, you sort of build animosity towards mm. the other person. So draw boundaries and let other people know where they are. 
being comfortable with emotions, your needs and your mistakes, and seek your own self-approval because, again, it's like what we talked about last, uh, last episode, stoicism. Uh, loving yourself and not giving, uh, not letting your happiness be dictated by another person because you yeah. can never make that person happy. Yeah. And then failing to understand our needs and flaws, being comfortable with who we are, we're often our worst enemy at finding love. <laughs> uh, and I'll end with the quote, which is from Dr. Glover. He goes, I often refer to nice guys as Teflon men. They work so hard to be so smooth, nothing can stick to them. Unfortunately, this Teflon coating also makes it difficult for people to get close. Mm-hmm. It's actually a person's rough edges and human imperfections that give others something to connect with. So it's okay to acknowledge your own flaws um, mm-hmm. because that's your character and that's what that, those rough edges are what let people connect to you. Yeah. So a question, I guess, is we talked about being comfortable with who we are. And I don't know about if you remember one of the episodes we did about uh, about you know uh, failing to find love yeah. and that person is saying okay so if it's okay to be s- accepting who you are then how is that different from the phrase you must accept me for who I am yeah do, do you get it uh-huh. yeah no I do get it I'm thinking about it uh, I think there's I think if you go through okay so if your worldview is you, is that you must accept me for who I am, what's and all, that's it, right? If you go through life like that, there's no self-improvement. Mm. There's no acknowledgement. You're essentially, you're working off the presupposition that you are perfect yeah. in your current state. That's There's a flaw in that because we aren't perfect. We are imperfect creatures. We have flaws. We have issues. A lot of issues. Part of the journey of life is to identify those weaknesses, identify those issues and seek to improve them, seek to resolve them. We're not going to be successful. We're not going to reach this higher state of being or consciousness or perfection on our on our own steam, on our own power. But life is, a, I see it as a bit of a journey. Well, it is a journey to resolve, try to resolve as many of those issues as we can learn, and learn to be the best, the best version of ourselves that we can be. Yeah. Part of that is, I think the, the principles of stoicism that we were talking about in the last episode do help you in identifying and recognizing these sort of character these sort of character traits and try to push on through adversity and struggle when they crop up because life is like that but a big part of that is also taking responsibility and uh this bit is about learning to love yourself Mm. and and then we've seen this other lady um, in the failing to love, failing to find love. Is that this person says you must accept me for who I am? Yeah. That person is actually um, is not self-aware of the flaws. Yeah. And ex- they're assuming they're perfect. But but they're also expecting that that their list, that their person will will love them for who they are. Mm. Now that's not wrong, but there is a imbalance in there. I think when she was saying there's an imbalance in expectations you must must accept me for who I am is is saying that um, these are the flaws you must uh, you must totally accept me yeah but there's also this other bit when you read on in the context is that their expectation of the other person has to be that so so that person cannot change Mm. neither can you but in the sense that those traits in the other person is perfect Ah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting around in a circle. 
I, I, originally I tried to make try to make it more distinct. So yeah. the way I was trying to structure this is that, you know, is this too selfish? Yeah. And I'm thinking in the end, it's probably not selfish. No. Because it's addressing nice guys who've swung too far. It's an imbalance. And we're trying to it's bring it back to the center. It's an imbalance. Yeah. yeah. So. And I, th- I think you were, you, were, you were tapping into something very interesting where society, in this case, the, the broader the, the broader idea of society, of our culture today, the messaging that's put out through all the different avenues and sources, they are telling you to be perfect. Yeah. And that's created a lot of, a lot of social anxiety when an imperfect person comes along, is told, be perfect, be be, aspire to this perfect un, uh, unreal standard and they go well I'm trying the best I can I can't reach that there must be something wrong with me yeah. and it creates a lot of social anxiety within them yeah. and we've got a lot of young people dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of that imbalance which I think takes the form of, mental, of a lot of mental health issues here mm. and this causes a great deal of imbalance so I think you're right We're, we need to try and as our generation, we need to try and go, try to figure out how we can get ourselves back to being centered, more balanced in the middle. Yes, aspiring for a heart for something better, for something more, is absolutely good, absolutely. But we also need to acknowledge: yes, we are human. We are imperfect. We're not going to be able to achieve perfection. So, and that that inherently is not necessarily that does not make us bad or evil people. What does it mean to be a man in 2020? How do I relate to women and to my spouse? I think Dr. Glover's discussion on a self-integrated man starts to open a discussion on giving yourself permission to express your feelings in a healthy way and to communicate what your needs are. I think it's actually a human tendency to hide ourselves, our shame, and our inadequacy in front of others. Something that is juxtaposed of today's social climate, where we are to have pride in whatever identity you hold, but there are some taboo areas that we don't want to discuss question for you is how do you achieve your desires with your partner and not overwhelm them nor set unhealthy expectations that they are to be the sole member who approves and reward your works if you like this series please like share and subscribe put the link on your social media profile for your friends to listen to every support counts and motivates me to develop new episodes you can also reach us by email at thefireinthedesert at gmail.com and twitter at fireinthedesert Music is Outfoxing the Fox by Kevin McLeod at incontech.com. And thanks for listening to another episode of The Fire in the Desert.